Yeah, you fucking drongo! Fucking get a load of this guy! What a fucking chat. <laughs> Chuckers, dude. Chuckers, dude. Welcome to F2 for you, the show about second tier race car drivers, hosted by second tier sports analysts. I am your host, Jashan, fresh off a spectacular evening of fraternization, and joining me as ever is the matter for the Merchant of Hume. How are you today, Matthew? That's the most questionable thing you've ever said on a podcast. Um, I'd just like to say that I think there is two uh almost tier one drivers in this field now and i would like mm. to say that based off that i think i'm at worst a tier 1.5 podcast host so you've been pushing this narrative for a while now you've been toying with the idea that you're a 1.5 podcast host i don't know have if you've I? earned it i don't know if you've earned the stripes Matthew. have i been have i been pushing this narrative you have been you've been dropping little hints here and there about I tier 1.5 I, I don't know if you <coughs> I have no recollection of this, but uh, considering that I have said and picked basically the two best drivers in the F2 field, I think that makes me a tier 1.5 podcast. So. Yeah, because Jack Doohan's having such a good year. Um, let's think move Jack forward. No, it definitely isn't Jack Doohan, I'll tell you that for free, brother. Now, we've got a lot to get through today. Um, we missed out on Monaco due to a variety of life reasons. Um, also, it just wasn't a particularly fantastic weekend of racing. So we're going to run through that very quickly in both F3 and F2. And then we'll get to the main bulk of the show, which is, of course, the Spanish Grand Prix, which was uh, wholly more interesting, I think it's fair to say, and probably uh, a bit more... A bit more fun, especially for, for the metaphor over here for us. Oh, his favorite uh, what are you drivers. talking about? Monaco was great for me as well. Well, mostly great for me. It was 50-50. Yeah, but Behrman was shit, but yes. Yeah, right, Vesti was excellent. Vesti was excellent. Vesti's in some pretty decent form right now, brother. Lewis Hamilton, watch out. Your seat is up for grabs, my brother. I don't know. I'm, I'm increasingly about. more and more invested in Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. <laughs> Frederick invested. Yes, I'm Frederick no, invested. In Lewis there Hamilton we go. going to Ferrari. That's that's what I wanted to hear. Uh, but yeah, just a, just a quick recap from Monaco. So the uh, sprint race there, we had Awasa taking the win from Daruvula and Jackie Crawford picking up another decent result there. Um, putting uh, stringing together a few nice ones here, the, the young American. And then in the feature, uh, the aforementioned Frederick Investi got a very nice win there from Theo Porsche. Zane Maloney getting a handy podium as well as he bids to kind of get his season back on track. In terms of the racing, I mean, it wasn't amazing in either. You know, it wasn't like a last year where we had guys like Liam Lawson or the year before with Dan Tictum going for cheeky overtakes. A lot of it was pretty processional. Um, but, uh, you know, shout out to Awasa for the sprint. He managed two safety car restarts to take the win by over six seconds and held off Daruvula the entire time. And, and Crawford, uh, despite not having a huge amount of pace, managed to hold off Richard Vashore and kind of do the classic Daniel Ricciardo thing of, look, I know you're faster than me, but I'm just not going to let you through, so fuck you. And then in terms of the feature, uh, Vesti, yeah, just commanding. Um, led every lap, even after a safety car and red flag, to take his second victory of the season. Um, we had a Victor Martins mid-race drive-through penalty because that guy just, he just can't catch a break, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, like I said, Maloney, 
got his second podium of the year. Any any big moments you want to mention from 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 this weekend of racing, Matthew? Before we move uh, on, <clears throat> well, straight away, um, classic Jashan disrespect just ignores what was easily the most compelling session of the weekend, qualifying, which was actually yeah, was interesting qualifying. to watch. Yeah, but you can still you don't you. It's not like you talked about. I never do qualify. I do the races. Grow up, oh, mate. You could yeah, but you could have mentioned the quality results. You're literally just reading off the results. Step it up, no, mate. Be a, be be the tier one point five podcast host that I know you can be. <laughs> I saved that for four man wall. Check out our sister podcast, uh, <laughs> Four Man Wall. We're recording tonight. Early uh, grand final, exciting stuff. I think at the end of the day, if there's any race of the year where you need to mention qualifying it's monaco because it pretty much outlays everything explains a lot of the results for example ollie behrman nowhere in the races in monaco qualified eighth in his 18 qualifying group, oh right yeah yeah, yeah yeah 15th or 16th or something or like a little bit lower after penalties um in terms of the overall grid uh, potentially reason for that was there was late red flags in his group. Uh, Leclerc crashed early because um, it's a Leclerc in Monaco. But I can't <laughs> remember exactly who. I feel like it might have been Deruvela. Um, had an incident right at the end, which brought out a late red flag. And like guys like Behrman probably still had one lap to go at that time, but there was not requisite time to restart the session which meant obviously you know you could be up there earlier but you know when you're someone like bam and Bearman can put in that clutch lap at the end and even if it got him to fourth or something if he started in the points in monaco he probably would have finished in the points we saw most people finished more or less in their starting position um huge shout out vesti and pearl share the laps they put in in um yep. second qualifying session to put Vesti von Pole for Porsche obviously you know P3 even though he was faster than Victor Martins uh, Doom was a bit annoyed I think he felt he left a little bit out on track in terms of his session which meant he got pipped by Martins started P4 instead of P2 eventually um, you know Maloney good qualifying when yeah, it counted big Zane big brain Zane sort of, a couple of other things I think because there must have been I did a bunch of guys pit at that late safety car in the sprint race or something just to have a roll of the fucking dice or something because Brad Benavidez finished P11 and I have so many questions and zero recollection of it but Brad Benavidez finished P11 in the uh, sprint race which is fucking hilarious yeah it doesn't happen a whole lot I don't think that'll happen ever again but props to Brad I mean I feel like there were a fair bit of retirements that would have helped with that as well um, Bearman was solid, I thought, in the feature, finding his way all the way up to 11th, only just missing out on the points. That's a decent recovery from where he started with overtaking being tricky and probably proof that he was a bit out of position and had things gone more favorably in qualifying. He probably would have had a much better weekend. But yeah, I think this is the big story was Vesti was so on form. He was brilliant in that qualifying lap. He managed the race beautifully in terms of the feature for a fairly dominant win. And he managed to find a way to make two positions on the streets of Monaco to still pick up a point in the spring, mm. which is yeah. a pretty fair effort. It was a great weekend for Vesti, really asserting that he is part of this title fight. Oh, yeah, the favourite at this point in time, it must be said. Well, I don't know whether you would have called him the favourite coming out of Monaco. 
now probably, but I'm just talking at the point of Monaco was him being like, yes, I am definitely in this championship battle. I, I believe that feature race win get, got him the lead. Um, uh, in fairness, yes, it did. It moved him about uh, five points clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, which obviously he's now extended. Uh, yeah. Now he's, he's looking very good as young Frederick. Yeah, first and person Prima, to win Prima multiple themselves. features this season, having won, obviously, yeah. the feature in Jeddah. Yeah. Good call. Mm. And yeah, it feels like a long time ago that he got the double donuts in the opening race of the season over there in Sakir. He's got points in every single race bar the Monte Carlo sprint since then. So And now I'm just yeah. horrifically confused because I swear to God, I read... I must be blind. I swear I read really Yeah, that's right. You're doing your best. I am Tier blind. 1.5. My bad. That's why I'm only Tier... 1.5, not Tier, Tier 1.5 podcast host here, gentlemen. Can't even read. Correct. What a meme. Uh, pick a winner and a loser from the Monte Carlo weekend for me, oh, Matt. I mean, the easiest one, Vesti is the winner. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty slam dunk. You know what? I'll, I'll just gonna keep it simple and in-house. Vesti was the winner. Bevan was the loser. Oh. Um, I think, you know. That is both say, simple and in-house. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. That was really so, clean. Yeah, that I was think clean. Bevan nice, scores size. points without the late red flag and qualifying. So huge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, let's have a look. See, you know what? I'm gonna go winner Jack Crawford double points. Um, for a guy who's kind of been much maligned on this podcast, I think he's really starting to show his chops and to get oh, double yeah. points Way in down Monte there Carlo. Uh, P15. <laughs> yeah. But, also, know. I love how Jack Crawford either scores no points for the weekend or eight points. There's no other yeah. in between. Does it in different he, ways, he, but it's either eight or none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, at this point in time, he's scored eight points three weekends in a row. So obviously, I this I can't predict that he goes on to double donut in Spain. But at this point in time, you know what? He's picking up some steam. He's looking good. Uh, meanwhile, I'd, I'd say the loser of the weekend got to be the Le, the, the, the Leclerc family. <laughs> um, because they've clearly passed on Charles as Monaco curse to Arthur as well, oh, it's which is a bummer. Bad. Yeah. There is a lot it's, of fucking curses in sport at the moment. The Alpine curse, the Leclerc uh, Monaco curse. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's it's um, not ideal. Not ideal for a Maury Cordial. But my brother, let's move on swiftly. F3, give us a quick yes. recap. Speaking of curses, or the opposite thereof, I have come to the conclusion that... um. I don't think Gabriel... I not, this is not saying he's bad. Obviously, he's won fucking half the fucking feature races in the season so far. But I am pretty fucking determined, in my opinion, that Gabriel Bortoletto <laughs> is not the best driver in the F3 field. But mm. fucking hell, just everything comes up Bortoletto. Or more to the point, all of his rivals keep finding interesting, different ways... To not score the points they deserve. Fucking Marty crashed in, you know, qualifying in Melbourne. Mini keeps on just finding so many extravagant ways to not score points in races. You know, Colo Pinto had the fucking yeah. penalties in Melbourne. Bortoletto just like he just kind of exists and the seas part for him like Moses, and then all of a sudden he finishes the race and you're like, ah. Oh, he, he's finished fifth again and just chipped away more points. 
Yeah. Because um, the thing, he wasn't spectacular in Monaco, but he came away with a P6, P5 result, 15 points. Apart from the fact that Mini bossed the, fe- um, the feature race to collect 28 points, Mini and Biganovic, who were the top two in the feature, didn't score in the sprint. So he only dropped 13 points to Mini and three points to Biganovic. Easy. And extended on people who were possibly closer to him in the championship. Um, yeah, Mini was really, really dominant, I think. For me, let me go and find my fucking actual notes. Yeah, my kind of winners from the Monaco weekend were Pepe Marti, who won uh, the sprint. Um, did that very mm-hmm. nicely. Started back front row, managed it well. Mini winning the feature. Uh, Bordelotto just with consistent points. Beganovich, obviously a key P2 for him in the feature. Neither that. Um, Paul Aaron is really starting to show what he can do. I believe he finished third in that. And uh, it was a oh, decent yeah. race for Luke Browning as well. Um, P4, one of the first times, I think, you know, took advantage of the fact that Monaco is Monaco. And unless you make a cataclysmic error and put it in the fence... If you're in yeah. front of people, you can kind of stay in front of people. And he, for once, he, so he was able to convert his usually good qualifying pace into an actually okay result with a P4. Uh, in the feature, um, yeah, no one who is at Colopinto had a solid enough weekend. Probably just a little bit disappointing from Zoss again. Zach O'Sullivan still not really doing as much as I would hope from him. Your Zoss pick for the, for the championship lacking. at the start of the season, yes? Uh, yes, uh, and Ollie Girth is the other one. He's just, I don't know, it's just not clicking for him this season. After a great opening mm. weekend where I think he was P2 in the standings, he has not scored a point since um, Bahrain. Ah. So, it, it is... so, two of, so you're a tier 1.5 sports analyst, but two of your favorite guys in this category uh, that you are an expert of are shit. Um... Yeah, look, I, I'm not saying... I don't make any massive claims to be the F3 expert. I make claims to be the F2 expert. And my F2 <laughs> opinions are going great. Yeah, because Amori Cordial is so good. We'll get to that shortly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. But yeah, so that was Monaco. Roll it straight on to Spain. And massive winner, uh, Pepe Marti, put it on pole... Just bossed the feature race. A really good put-together drive to take the win there. Super, super impressive. Uh, Colapinto was very nice. He finally got back to some good form, picking up his first feature race podium of the season to finish P2. Beganovich back-to-back feature podiums to get P3, but failed to score any points in the sprint race. But once again... I kind of, you know, oh, Zach O'Sullivan was decent enough. He got the win in the, f- the sprint, converting, you know, that good start with a middling qualifying. There was a few who were a bit unlucky. Montoya had a few bits and bobs that go wrong. Otherwise, he probably could have scored a lot more points than he did. Uh, Gabrielli Mini, again, found creative ways. I think he got a penalty in one of the races and tangled up with someone and just brought himself out. And the other, he's got, I think Mini is comfortably the fastest looking guy in this category. Week okay. in, week out, qualifying that. But yeah, he's consistently his ability he's that's the thing. He found ways to cost himself points in Secure. He's again found ways to cost himself points in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, that's the difference between him being probably up there within, you know, fifteen, twenty points or less of Bordoletto compared to the thirty six that he currently trails him by. Speaking of Bordoletto, once again, things just seem to fall in his way. I don't really remember him making too many big overtakes here this weekend. But he ended up finishing fourth and fourth. Picked up 19 Solid, points. Solid, consistent, yeah. 
and that. So obviously Marcy closed in huge on him. But apart from that, the only person who scored more points than Bortoletto this weekend, um, apart from Marty, was Colapinto, who got 23. Colapinto was already almost was like almost 50 points behind Bortoletto in the standings coming into this weekend. Mm. Just closed it now to 44. That's it. Bortoletto leads this championship by 34 points over Marty, who I think could be his big rival. If he doesn't have a weekend like Australia, where he fucks up in qualifying, gets himself way behind. And, like, that's it. Monaco, that's it. I think he would have done way better in Monaco, the quality of driver was. That's it. He had a mid-qualifying in Monaco, got the sprint race yep. pole, con- did, and then did the best he could. Converted that into the win. Huge. And then got a couple of points in... Oh, sorry. Yeah, couldn't quite get points in the feature. Had the... Um, pole position points any other track where you can actually overtake I think Marty if he doesn't have those big mistakes like Australia he's either going to put it right up there be a great chance for the win or he finds ways to move forward I think he's going to be the biggest other rival to um, Bordoletto which makes sense he is the returning driver most of the other rookies Boganovic Mini and that I just think they've still got kinks they need to work out. One uh, guy don't really... kink shame on the podcast, Matthew, for the love One of guy Christ. I really quickly want to mention before we move on to the news. Uh, the British boy, Taylor Barnard. Um, had a, yes. was off to a really, really slow. He drives for Genta, which is comfortably probably the smallest or similar sort of level to like Shrews and that. They're, you know, obviously they're not in F2. Yeah. They're one of the unique couple of unique teams to the F3 grid, uh, Callan Williams is a former Gens driver in that, but like, they don't normally have too many notable guys that don't get a lot of really great results. He got off to a very slow start to the year, did not score points in the first three races before getting a couple in the feature at Australia. He has scored 6-4-2-2 across the last four races. He was, I think he plonked himself nicely in the mid-pack of the top 10 in Monaco qualifying and converted that to two middle of the pack, uh, middle of the top 10 results. He qualified, I think, front row here in Spain and just kind of ran out of legs towards the end of the feature, made a couple of snakes. I think just used up the tyres a bit too much. But he's come, I think, straight from British F4, which is a big step up in terms of car and, like, competitiveness and that. As he starts yeah. to find his feet, that's the thing. The big takeaway for me was how, just how good he looked in qualifying, putting that car P2 after I'd been impressed... Because I only watched the Monaco... I literally watched the two Monaco races and then went straight into watching... Starting to watch Spain because I just hadn't got yep. around to watching them. So he's just... Suddenly he's popped up. He's at... And the thing is, he's doing it in a Genza. Like, if he's in, you know, an ART, a Prema, a Trident, double, if not triple, the points he scored, he's doing this in one of, if not the smallest team on the grid, and he put it on the front row. So I think he's one to watch. I don't think he'll probably do enough i'd be surprised i wouldn't be putting him up that but he could be one like he'd be my hot tip right now to be that guy who vaults forward into the premier art or more likely trident sort of scene next year and it's like a one to really watch for the championship uh i think there is definitely something there he is He's 13th in the standings. I don't think after this weekend I'd have him any lower than probably like 8th in my talent power rankings, and he is climbing. You should do a power rankings. You should do an F3 power rankings. I should start doing that as like a, a weekly thing to bring it then to the end of the season where I do my who do I think is the most talented. Maybe yeah. I'll start trying to do that. That's not a bad idea. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the last couple of rounds of F3. This looks like it's Bordoletto's championship to lose, but just keep your eye on Pepe Marty. If he can keep getting qualifying right... 
he has so much race pace. Mm-hmm. And a great like game. Pepe Marty, watch out for him. Also, watch out for me, because I want to go get some water. I'll be back shortly. Apologize for the delay. <laughs> Matt. Yeah. Oh, right. You're apologizing to me. There are two kinds of teardrops. Two kinds of teardrops. And we back. Always hydrate, brother. Always hydrate. Okay, now that Matt has rattled through the F3, we got some news to talk about. Nothing too insane, but there are definitely a few headlines we've got to touch on before we uh, break down the racing from Barcelona. First things first. Uh, rest in peace, similar, obviously. Um, had the floods, not ideal. And there's a lot of chat been going around about whether they will uh, replace that race in the calendar or whether they'll just, they'll just leave it. We have the confirmation that our F2 and F3 will not replace the cancelled Imola round. Um, so we are just finishing off the season this year with one less race. Simple as that. We don't know about F1 just yet, but the junior categories have uh, made their call. I don't know, yeah, not too fussy with that, it makes sense. Formula yeah. 3 confirmed to return to Macau for this year's Grand Prix. For the first time since 2019. So uh, that's exciting for some of these guys like your Gabriel Minis and your, oh, and your be, Border yeah. Lettos. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's, um, yeah, like televised in the normal way, isn't it? The Macau Grand Prix is a, is a big deal. Like we talk, It's one of those ones, probably the two mm. big ones outside of, like, the official world championships and that, they get talked about in Macau and Poe. Um, yeah. And that, like, that's the thing, you know, I've I've said many times on this show, Richard Vashore, Macau Grand Prix winner. You know, yeah. Has he done... Has he done... That's the thing, he's not really championship challenger or anything, but you still... Hey, he's won a Macau Grand Prix. That's, that's you know... That's, like, uh, the best I probably... I guess it's kind of like, you know, an Indy 500, Monaco, Bathurst kind of, like, prestige for... That it's a real, yeah, marquee event. Yeah. Um, so, no, that's that's really cool to see that they'll be back. Um, so, yeah, they're back on a three-year deal. Pepe, Pepe Marty, hopefully, soon to be... Well, actually, you know what? Here we go. My big call. Taylor Barnard, Macau Grand Prix winner. Ha! My man's going in hard. Now it's got to be Colapinto, brother. It's got to be Colapinto. That'll be quite nice. Uh, it's going to be fucking Kyle Collette because that guy's still relevant. Lol. Um, also, we got some uh, we got some tire news. Boys. Bridgestone talks are ramping up, fellas. 
We like Bridgestone. They make some decent ads. Not as good as the Michelin ads, but we have Bridgestone. They are looking to tender a contract from 2025 onwards. They've made a bid. So Pirelli need to, need to sort their shit out. Um, before then, otherwise you know, the FIA could be making a bit of a, a bit of a switch. Would you like to see Bridgestone take over, Matthew? Um, I don't lose my voice. <coughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. I mean, like, <laughs> look, like, tire talk isn't like a huge keyboard for me. Like, I don't, I don't know enough about that. But Come yeah, on, we love tire talk. Super we've softs. Had, we've had Pirelli for I think 2010. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think uh, it's only my like first season where I think we we changed. It was my year two where we changed away from. I believe it would have been the Bridgestones maybe, um, mm. to the Pirellis as the sole tire supplier, and that's what it's been for basically the entire time that I've watched Formula One and its junior categories and that. Um, yeah, you know why not have a change if Bridgestone's ready? You know, it's interesting to see the different type of tire that they'll produce in that. You know, we've. Mm. Spent a decade and a half almost complaining about Pirelli, no matter what they do, um, which is probably a little bit rough on Pirelli because you know I'm sure they're trying. But yeah, why, why <laughs> not? Let's let's do something a bit different. Get the Potenzas back on the cars. Potenza by Bridgestone. Ha! <laughs> now just bring bring through the Firestones, bro. Just just make them uh, make the make the tires the IndyCar tires. Why not? Is that what they called Firestones? What are they called? Yes, it is Firestone. Firestone. It's an odd name for a tire. It's the Firestone, bro. Which, yes, yeah. Uh, which I was gonna say. I thought it was a Bridgestone. So yeah, it's a Bridgestone Firestone. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's the tire we need to use. That's fantastic. Uh, and with that, uh, we're back into the, the we're into the bulk of the show here, fellas. So we're looking at Spain, looking at Barcelona. It was a crazy weekend, full of ups and downs. It started off with qualifying. I don't watch qualifying. I can't be asked. Matthew can be asked because he is a tier 1.8 podcast host. <laughs> I'll take Matthew, it. what are your thoughts uh, on qualifying where here in Spain? We go? Um, much simpler of a session than it was, obviously, in Monaco. No one really careering off into walls, and I don't think anyone, but looking boring. Lap count in that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't call it boring because it's still, you know. People, people duking it out, and it was a closed session. But yeah, no red flags or anything. So like, this was a natural. If you're out of position, it's because you were out of position. Uh, and for the second time in three rounds, uh, I think it's safe to say this man has arrived now. Um, I've talked the big talk for since the end of last season before he even hit. Uh, F2 that I think this man is the best prospect currently in junior racing. I've basically already anointed him as a future F1 world champion. Uh, mm. but I think, yeah, Oli Behrman has arrived as the class of... You drafted him field. into your dream F1 team despite him never yeah. racing an F1 race. Correct. Um, I think this kid is just electric. Second pole in three races. I believe this means he's the first person to have multiple poles this season. Um, which is oh, impressive. And really? I think so. We've only had five rounds, because... Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You are correct. Yeah. Because um, Wass has got one, Victor Martins has got one, Porsche has got, got one, and one. now... has got two. Uh, and Vessi's got one as well, yeah. Oh, yes, Vessi's got one. Fuck, we've already had six rounds. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yes, sir. Um... 
yeah, so I thought his lap time was really, really good at the end. They were definitely trading it around in that. It was kind of who could be last across the line at the right time. It swapped around a lot. You know, Bamman would slip all the way down to 6th, 7th kind of thing, and then you'd put your next time on the board, and he'd leap back up to that. Uh, but, yeah, so he was really dominant, narrowly edging out Fittipaldi, which is, this is this has been so needed for Fittipaldi. He's not been good in qualifying this year. He's way down yeah. the standings because of it. A big effort putting it on front row. He had so much pace this weekend. Jack Dillon in P3, massive for him. He needed he needs a good, solid weekend to just get some kind of championship challenge or just push to at least like a top five finish in the standings. Back on track. Um, Owasa Porsche, you know, doing what they need to, fourth and fifth. Mm-hmm. Good. Better qualifying year for Hauger continues, P6. A little bit disappointing, I think you'd say, for Martin's P7. For me, Vesti. I actually had him written down. It's very rare that someone will qualify top 10, and I'll say loser for the session. But for me, Vesti, yes. qualifying P8 when his teammate was on pole and three spots behind Porsche, uh, and coming off the pole in Monaco, I think, for me, I actually did. I reckon Vesti was a little bit of a loser of qualifying. Probably would have wanted a bit more of that. Damn, bro. Uh, then we had the <laughs> Eternal P9, P10 qualifier, Jack Crawford. Another yeah, there he is. Start. Doing his thing. Uh, the big one, and coming a little bit out of nowhere, Amari Cordeal, P10, mm. sprint, race, pole. Uh, then a bunch of other guys. Correa, P11, for sure. A little bit disappointing, P12. Leclerc, real, and he's actually said as much, needs to figure out qualifying because he's got great race pace, but he keeps qualifying way down and whilst you can pass 17 guys in a sprint race in f3 and it's like holy fuck a lot harder to do that in f2 so if he can't be qualifying top eight he's going to struggle to get top five finishes uh, a little bit underwhelming for kushmani deruva and asani boshong stanek the weird one i don't really have an explanation for it they just neither of them seem to be able to switch it on and get that lap in hadjar p20 maloney p21 um mm. Both over a second. Only three guys were outside of a second for Molly Behrman, and two of them were Hadjar Maloney, and then obviously the customary P22 qualifying for Brad Benavidez, who it's again, like, I'm not even, I don't even want to bash him. He's just, I don't know. I assume he has a bit of backing or whatever, but yeah, Brad Benavidez is comfortably the the guy this year who just, yeah, should never have been. He hasn't been dangerously bad a la Alessio Deletta so far. He's just been. He's just way out of his depth. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's just. You know, he's much more of like a, um, oh God, who were the two last year? Uh, well, it was Kudir for half a season, then he figured it out. And it was also for the bit that he was there, um, Chen Bolokbashi. He's just, Bolik he's just, he's just way out of his depth. Um, but yeah, so yeah. a little bit disappointing for Hadjar Maloney. But yeah, as we said, uh, Crawford and Cordeal, your sprint race front row. And, uh, we got to the sprint race, Jashan, and the Big wet had arrived. Yes, it was quite soggy, but before we get to the moistness, I have other things I would like to talk about, Matthew. Oh, okay. Yep. Off the cuff, off the dome, if you will. Um, as I type it into my computer, give me bear with me. Bear with Holy me. Holy Bearman with you? Uh, the Super Formula website is fucking trash. God damn it. Uh, yes, if anyone replaces DeVries this season, it should be Liam Lawson. Hell yeah. I want to see, that, I want to see what Bolog Bashi is. is. <laughs> what was that? I want to see what Bolog Bashi is. Oh, is he doing Super Formula? Yeah. 
Yeah, Lawson is on top. He is leading the Super Formula right now. And Bologbashi is 15th. Oh my god, he's ahead of Giuliano Alessi. <laughs> I forgot Giuliano Alessi existed. That is. That's fantastic. <coughs> Former Ferrari Academy guy, Giuliano Alessi. That's fantastic. But no, uh, the actual thing I wanted to mention uh, shout out to Liam Lawson for killing it. I'm very proud of him. Um, obviously, the Kiwi boy. This one's very nice. But I wanted to mention the, a bit of a qualifying championship. So, um, if you ever go onto Reddit, uh, so r slash feeder f1 feeder series there's this guy good um, yep. Sorbus, who does like a he like collates points from everyone's uh, qualifying sessions and he puts them into a table just to kind of like easily rank how everyone's been qualifying and and, and show it down that way so are you ready for this I'm gonna, I'm gonna run you through this qualifying championship Matthew I am ready for this he is ready he's so ready right now he's puckered all right tell you Paul share is first. Victor Martin second, second Bam in yeah. third. Fred Rick Vesti is fourth, leading from Awasa in fifth. Dylan in sixth. Enzo Fittipaldi in seventh. Dennis Hauger comes really? to an eighth, ahead of Richard Vashaw. Zane Maloney rounding out the top ten there. Jehan Deruvela is just about there in eleventh. Jackie Crawford twelfth. Big Bush Kush Miney thirteenth. Isaac Hadger fourteenth. Arthur Lepler fifteenth. Then Ralph Boschung. Roman Stanek, Amori Cordiel in 18th, Juan Manuel Correa 19th, Novelak, Roy Nassani, and Brad Benavides dead last. Can I ask, is there somewhere mentioned how the scoring format works for this, how it's all aggregated and that? Um, um, there's, there's an average position counter, there's a points thing. Um, so what's it, what's it ranked by? Is it ranked by their average position or... Um, mostly, but there are some guys who are out of place, like, Daruvula's average position is 9.5, Maloney's average position is 13th, but Daruvula is below Maloney. So I think you must get more points for finishing higher up, because Maloney's been quite inconsistent with his, uh, yeah. um, qualifying I'm just work. curious, because I was like, Behrman has had that really low Monaco qualifying, which neither of the other yeah. two at the top, the ART boys have had, which almost says he to has, me, like, if- he has the two poles. Mm. But that's where I was thinking. I was also like, there is a massive obvious... For me, there is a big asterisk on that Monaco qualifying because I know he had at least one more lap to see what he could put in. And the wraps I have on the kid, I would have backed him to put a lap that would have put him probably on the front three or four rows. I'm just so curious, like, is that Monaco qualifying? The difference between the fact that if he... Now that Bam would already be the top qualifier in the category or something, which I think is... And even being P3, the only... Well, sorry, Martin. He also got P2 in Saudi Arabia. Yes. That's it. He's got... He's had some brilliant qualifying. Yeah, and so let's see. Saudi was where... That's it. Saudi was that first look where we were like, he's got the pace. The race craft was still figuring out, and he seems to have figured out these cars now. Because we'll obviously talk about it later, but, oh, he is so good at just managing a race from up front. Yeah. Um, he, that man makes love to his tyres. Yeah, that ART really? is definitely the fastest car over one lap on the whole. It's such an electric car in qualifying. I mean, yeah. it's a great race car as well. It's just, uh, I mean, Porsche is racing smart and Victor Martins is cursed. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, and you hate to see it. Or you love to see it, depending on your allegiances. But shall we get to the sprint, Matt? We shall. The big way. This is going to take a while. Um, what are you talking about? 
barely anything happened in either of these races. Absolute ocean out there, brother. It was so soggy. Uh, really was. Um, global warming is is yeah. real. The sea levels are rising. Um, and apparently covering Spain in its girth. This was very wet. Full wet. A lot of wet situation. But yeah, Amori Cordiel was uh, leading. Yes. As Matt mentioned. Launch, launched into an early lead following a... We had a rolling start procedure. That's how yeah. wet it was. Yeah. With a heavy down Good, 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 sensible call. Formation lap behind Great the call. safety car. Rolling single file start. Very sensible. Yeah. Yeah. Very good call. Uh, instantly, we had Fred Vesti trying to put a move onto Jackie Croft. Um, bit of contact there. So Vesti kind of got sent across the escape road and and, and Crawford dropped down with Fucking damage. Fucking worked, though. Yeah. Did, did, did you... Yeah, it worked. Uh, it was a little bit tenuous. I don't know if he should have been penalized. Did he get penalized? No, and he shouldn't have been. There was he was he was the car on the. You can't penalize the no. guy on the outside. It's nah. not like he hard turned down on him. It was probably in the conditions and that. But you know, he's. I just so hate much to case. see my boy Jackie Crawford. Oh no, I agree. Roasted. I think that's one of those ones. I'm sure Cravat, but like the amount of pace that Vesti had on him sweeping around the outside, the first lap of the race. You just got to seat him in that spot and not try to hang there because, yeah, it's horrific conditions. Crawford's going to mm. struggle to keep the car that tight in and probably just, yeah, oversteer a little. Because if you look at the contact, it is Crawford slides into Vesti, hits Vesti's, like, midsection, and I believe probably picked up, like, a puncture or wing damage or whatever, which, yes, instantly took him out of the race and that. Vesti very simply. Oh, that was one thing. So, obviously, I mean, you would have picked up on this throughout the race. There's that in that chicane there's those two bollards there and you've got to if you run sh- through the chicane you've got to rejoin from the left hand side of those bollards so you can't just yeah. you know, track exchange cut the corner are uh, they really fucking struggling with that in F3 so okay. many penalties from guys who failed to do that so when Vesti did it perfectly straight away because I just watched an F3 race where like they were shocking at it Vesti did that and I was like mm, that's that that's that championship mentality man is like ah oh, fucking mm. even if I lose a spot from this or something Correct rejoin, don't get a penalty, uh, was textbook. That was my pass of the weekend. Fucking took out a rival, obeyed the bollards, <laughs> gained the position, fucking just good shit all around from Bestie. <laughs> pass of the weekend, huh? Oh, absolutely. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matthew, you absolute goober. That's the title of the podcast. Matthew is a goober. But moving on, I mean, look, it was that wet. I would have uh, been content with the guys just running processionally and not trying to go for any crazy moves because it was dangerous out there but uh these boys in f2 they don't give a shit they just want to race and they want to race hard and they want to rest soggy i am going to try and put the word soggy into as many sentences as possible today i'm very excited by the uh the the opportunity at hand but yeah uh fred vesti would keep pushing forward he took the lead from cordial in lap two cordial running wide at he's just uh, ignored turns three and turn four interesting yeah no i'm moving forward um don't 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 backseat drive me on my sprint race review um yeah cordial made a mistake in the second lap there let vesti through and done and then Martins passed Ves- uh, past Cordiel on lap four, so yeah, Cordiel not able to hold the lead. Doesn't have the talent, unfortunately. Um, you know, he gave it a go. I'd love to see it. Further back, we had a move on a on Enzo Fittipaldi by Yumo Wasa on lap eight. We had a Te- Teo Porsche kind of uh, going on a bit of a tear through the middle of the pack there. 
was hunting down Jack Dillon for a hot minute since the opening lap, but got his done, got his move done for fifth on lap ten. I mean, obviously, it is hard to make overtakes in these conditions, but there was some hard racing to be had. Definitely worth watching. Um, through turn twelve, that one was. Uh, Cordial uh, made another mistake on lap twelve. This time at turn seven, so Porsche and Dillon both snuck through there for fourth and fifth. Uh, Cordiel just about regained his momentum to keep Bearman behind him at that stage in time, but looking tenuous at this point in time. Vesti, the aforementioned lead he had taken from Maury Cordiel. He was up to five seconds over Martens, looking very comfortable, looking really, really good. Um, this was about the time when the track was starting to dry up. Yes. So obviously you got your wet Pirellis on, and about what lap 12 or so i forget how many laps are actually in the sprint race hold on 21 i think no 21 to 27 i think i think it was 27 and 37 right it was 26 in the sprint and 37 in the feature so close i'll take it um definite tier two sports analyst vibes from that one though so bummer for you well, mate, you've not even... You've failed to acknowledge the fact that the commentators made a massive error on the first lap. So you're like tier 7 as far as I'm I, concerned. To be fair, fair call. I watched this without commentary. I was listening to a podcast at the time. Did, so you, did you not I write some notes? Did you not L. watch the highlights to make some notes or something? How do you make your notes doing this? Matthew, I have been completely flat out with work um, and all my other jobs. And I was housing this weird guy in my in my apartment last week. I don't know where he... He just showed up from about nowhere. He just kind of slid in. Hey, I was this gone weird, by the time these races took place. That's not an excuse. weird blonde guy. But yeah, I had to catch up on sleep from all of that. It was bloody ridiculous. Oh, no, no, no. That was more of a genuine question. Like, how, how, do you, how do you take your notes from this? Because, like, I just... I find the easiest way. I rewatch the highlights. Like, oh yeah, normally, but I was going to do that this morning, but I didn't because that's fair. Nine thirty is way too early for me. Because yeah, okay, well, so when they did it with commentary. Um, that explains why. Because yeah, I was just gonna say you'd not mention the little frantic bit of action T three T four the opening lap. There was like four of them that just sort of all bunched together up to T3 and emerge from the spray. And the commentator goes for this massive, oh, Victor Martins right on the outside. And then the next camera shot is where, like, Martins is already, you know, in, in P3. And it's very obviously Doon who was in that battle. Mm. So he just got the wrong Alpine guy, which I found moderately amusing. Because I was really confused. Because then I was like... Because I, okay, I heard that and I was like, holy shit, that means Doon's in P3? Fuck yeah. And then the standings pop up after, like, half a lap. And I'm like, oh, he's just not easy. And you ignored so you, you halted my entire sprint race review for a commentary mistake. I when Alex Jacques makes a commentary error. Oh my god, Alex Jakes Matthew, oh, you are you're a tier three. Also, I've, I've halted this because you you failed to acknowledge um, a battle and contact between Porsche and your boy Owasa, and I'm just very surprised by that. Oh, I do remember that that contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. Ted That was right after. Porsche was off to like send it, and then I can't actually remember. Yeah, he went around. Got a he went around the that. outside, and Porsche. I, I think both of them were at fault. Like there wasn't really a move to be had there from a Yumu, and and Porsche <laughs> kind of stuck his, he kind of stuck his nose out. Um, but I don't think anything came of it really. Like Porsche was just kind of tearing through at this point in time already, and Owasa was stuck in that P eight P nine area. It was fine. Yes. All was well, Matthew. But um, am I allowed to continue now? Is it, yes. Is it okay? Back mark is pitting for drier tires because you're right. The track was starting to dry. Oh, I just yes, wanted to make a bit of an input. Am I allowed to make my comments oh my on Cordial God. now, or do I need to wait for the end? 
They gotta wait for the end, brother. Alright, I will wait for the end. Wait for the Carry end. On, There's so much more to talk about it. Uh yeah, so the first the first drivers yes. to pit for slicks was Daruvala, Kush, Miney, and Zane Maloney. Lap seventeen, Correa followed as well, trying to make the most of that 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 drier weather. And then Daruvala instantly set the fastest lap on lap twenty, what? so three seconds quicker than race leader Vesti. Um Instantly Correa. Is, a bit, is a bit of a Yeah, not instantly, but uh, <laughs> the first lap later. was horrific. <laughs> They yeah, not instantly. Five seconds I, off the bank. Let's ignore that. Let's ignore that. It's a, you know what? It's all hyperbole here, boys. It's all <laughs> onomatopoeia. But uh, on the other side of the spectrum, Juan Manuel Correa, who had also done the same thing, he lost his car, spun into the gravel, and it was kind of funny. He was just like sitting there on the gravel, and his back wheels are spinning, and it's like, eh, like a like a hamster in a wheel. You like you've never seen a car get beached in a gravel trap before. Before, despite I have, but it's always like funny when it years. when it happens. It always makes me smile a little bit. It's Fair good. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, bummer for one Manuel Correa. His season is um, um, not going well. Um, yeah, as a result, we had the virtual safety car come out, and then a lap later, the full safety car was deployed. Vesti would pit for slicks, and everyone else would follow suit. You know, you're better safe than sorry. We had four laps remaining as the safety car was withdrawn. Vesti managed to keep clear of Martins at the restart. Porsche literally like this was instant. He just kind of like like, oh, hey Dennis, yeah. hello Dennis Hauger. That third place is mine, my brother. That was a very good move. I don't know if you did. I don't know. If you you saw this move. It was a very good move. Oh yeah. Um, and then he he followed that up straight away with kind of sweeping around the outside of Martins in another very good move to Had put his title for rival. A second there. Sorry. Had me very stressed for a second there. Oh yeah. Thought, no. thought he was getting Fred as well. Yeah, it was a te- like, he was he was on a fucking charge, wasn't he? Like Porsche Porsche looked very very good in this race. Mm. I think I don't know if because I know he got a grid penalty from qualifying for impeding Dennis Hauger. I don't know if that was for the feature or for the for the sprint. Um, uh, I think it's yeah, no, it was for the sprint. It's so Porsche started yeah, Porsche started ninth in this race. So he had to pass Awasa, Doan, Fittipaldi, um, and, and Behrman, Cordiel, Hauger, and Martins to get here. A very, very impressive Definitely. race from Teo Porsche. And I think if this was a couple laps longer, he would have caught Vesti as well. But Vesti was good enough to kind of hold him at arm's length um, with a series of fastest laps, it must be said. Porsche right disagree. there with him. Sorry? I said I respectfully disagree. Save it for the end, mate. We are at the end! I'm not done yet. I'll throw to you when I'm fucking done. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. But uh, yeah, Vesti held him at arm's length. Got his third win of the season. Uh, Very impressive stuff from young Frederick. Uh, Martins would uh, also do the same thing to Hauger to kind of hold him at arm's length. So two ARTs on the podium. Duen came home in fifth, looking okay. Vashore made a bit of a late play to come in sixth ahead of Behrman and Awasa, who got the last sprint race point um, after Cordiel received a five-second time penalty for exceeding track limits, which he did many, many times because he's trash. All right, now, Matthew, you respectfully disagree on my point there about Vesti holding Porsche at arm's length. What would you like to say? Um... Yeah, well, no, just you, you're my. I respectfully disagree on your point that you think Porsche would have got him with a couple more laps. I think he would have. I don't think he would have because Porsche charged through it. It was like, oh, here he's coming for Vesti. And then the second Porsche was in P2, Vesti just upped the pace. And Porsche he wasn't did. standing on him at all. Nah, but Vesti um, would have torn through his tyres, mate. 
to and taunt to his ties. He wouldn't have been able to push that him. hard if there were more laps at play. I, I, I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. If he had, like, another 60 laps, he might have pushed through the tires. Vessi had this right. This this was basically a foregone conclusion the whole way through. I, obviously, I got stressed when the safety car came out. There was the tire change. And Porsche got the... But I just think Vesti had this comment. He was easily the fastest in the wet. He was so comfortably quicker than Martins and just built... He probably could have built that advantage way more if he wanted to, but I think he was probably taking it a bit conservative. And then he drove just as fast as he needed to without going any faster once they changed the slick tyres and comfortably had Porsche in check. There was no... You know, like to think, like there was, a, would have been a chance for Porsche. Uh, there was no DRS because it was still declared a wet race. But you know, Porsche mm. wasn't even able to keep it within the one second for DRS. Had that been an option, I just think Martins had this, um, way comfortably in control. So Martins, Vesti had this way comfortably in control. I just, yeah, this was his race the entire race. It was very, uh, very impressive. It was an absolute clinic. Uh, and just on Cordial. This was a really weird... He's an obvious loser of this race for me at the Immensely. end of the day because he could have got... Thing. But it was a weird one because this was simultaneously like one of his best and worst showings of the season. Because I actually think he... Pace-wise, he actually looked really good. Like, yeah, sure, Vesti and um, mm. Martins got past him. Well, you'd, you'd fucking hope so. Yeah, That's... but they got past him because he made mistakes. Like, oh, it's all well and no. good to have Vesti pace, and Martins didn't get past him because he made mistakes. Oh, he ran a Vesti little bit did. wide for one of them. Vesti the other did. one, Vesti did. Yeah, no, uh, he ran small... wide for both. I think. Hold on. I don't think so. Not crazy. Not like a crazy amount. And not not in a way in those conditions. There's, yeah, of there's course, different. Of course, there's different of levels of all made a mistake. So there was plenty of times that, and both would have got past him regardless. Yeah. Um, the mistake he the mistake he made where he dropped the three or four spots as the track was drying. That was that was a proper mistake. That one I wouldn't want to see happening. But my point being, once those two got past him, he you know he didn't cataclysmically drop away from them to click. And the bigger thing was, Hauger wasn't actually really able to like naturally catch up to him and start pressuring him. Mm-hmm. He was running at a pace that was still as good, if not slightly better, than Dennis Hauger and those behind. Which I think was interesting. He stayed in P three for because I think once the first two got past him, I was like, "Oh, here we go," and he just. But no, he stayed in P three for ages, and I think it's just you know. I'm uh, for me. I'm I'm my yeah, guess. For sure. My guess is probably as the track started to dry and it came a lot about you know. Yeah, managing your tires and all like that. I probably think he probably didn't do as good of a job and possibly had burnt through those tires as the start. And that, you know, then he started to tumble. So it was a weird one because I actually thought, yeah, pace wise, he was really, really good. I think if this stays proper wet the whole way through, he finishes top five. Um, uh, it's a very different story. Okay. Cause I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that big mistake where he lost three or four spots. I don't think that comes if the track doesn't start drying. I think that was because of the right. mixed track conditions. I think, despite the showing, fact that he already made th- two mistakes prior while it was. But full again, you're 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 viewing like you're viewing a slight run wide at the hairpin, which I reckon everybody we wouldn't have seen that. I reckon everybody probably did that at least once at some point during the race, and it just doesn't of that. You're viewing for me. I'm just gonna. This is lack of experience of these races still in your part, having only watched motorsport for okay. a few years, and that you're 
you're putting a run a run wide at the hairpin, which is a very common mistake in Spain as well, even in the dry, uh, particularly in the wet, on the same level as a full excursion off the track. It's just not. He might have still run wide a couple of things in that, but considering that Hauger hadn't been able to close all the way up to and stuff like that, like think, Vesti and Martens, if he ran wide for both of them, got by because they had the pace that they were right on his back wing. So the second he ran wide, they're through. He had a second and a half, two seconds on Hauger. You have a little run wide. You don't drop anything with that. It was the mm. dra- when the tri- mixed conditions came and he straight up drove off the track. And that, and I don't, I don't know what I'd seen. I don't think he straight up drives off the track if it stays full wet. I think he was running quite comfortably in the really wet track. It was as it started to dry out, and became those mixed. That's it. In many ways, a full wet track can be a lot simpler than the mixed conditions when you've got changing surfaces, changing amounts of wet on the track. Some parts are dry, some parts are wet. Uh, and I think that's you're protecting a guy that you like. This is the thing. Like Amore Cordeville, uh, towards the end of last season, this... was you know, competing for podiums and getting consistent points. He hasn't done that all year. He's been oh, yeah. terrible. This was his chance to actually get out, like, get out there and prove himself, and he fucked it up. Oh, like, I'm sorry. I'm not dis- I'm not disagreeing with that. At the end of the day, he sure. made, the, made the mistake. I'm just saying I think if it does stay wet. He gets a better result as it it's did. It's a step it in the right direction. He didn't, like, in terms of yeah, qualifying, made, especially. Um, that. And, you know, I was disappointed that, you know, he wasn't able to convert anything and he missed out. Um, well, look at Matthew. He, he was. It, yeah. he, Matthew, the thing is, he was. Um, here, oh, hold on. These are the guys who got penalties after the race. So we had Correa, Nissan. Oh, no, I know I got. Cordino. Yeah, yeah. So Cordiel went wide so many times that he got a penalty for exceeding track limits. That's not oh. just going off once. That's yeah. repeat mistakes. Okay, like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a, that's, okay, that's a, because Vesti, Vest, I know that, but so you get, if you go off four times, if you track extend four times, you get the time penalty. Vesti was mm-hmm. on the warning after like five laps in the feature race. To, and then, again, and then kept different... it in control for the rest of the race. Oh, I know, but that, that's that's a different. You're you're equating you're equating different levels of things at all of the one level in that. Like everybody at Spain, so many people were picking up warnings. Like, yes, he did more. It's not like he was like. But he failing. was the only. He was did the you... only driver who got penalized for it. So he was the only guy who failed to re- rein it in when he... he got his warning. I thought a couple of the others were track extending ones as well. No, just him. Fair, but I think there's a, a track extend is a different. It's a. I. It's not even necessarily a mistake because you're intentionally trying to do it, and that it's not like mm-hmm. you've oh, missed the fucking apex and run wide because normally you lose a bunch of time. You don't necessarily get the thing. It's a trying to take too much in that. And yes, I, you know, I'm not that surprised by it. Cordial is fucking a guy who's probably, you know, at best fringe top 15 in terms of talent and pace trying to run in the top five. So yeah, no, it's a yeah. challenge for sure. And it's a, it's a step in the right direction, you know, like oh, yeah. just qualifying I think in the first place. Here, this was this, uh, the virtuosi looked so much more competitive this weekend than it has yeah. the entire season. Especially in theory where Spain is kind of like the true test of actual pace, right? Yes. Well, yeah, I think the big takeaway is that Omari Cordiel is clearly the 10th fastest driver in the category because he qualified (laughs) D10 in Spain. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, 
But yeah, but shall uh, we move I believe on yes. Let's. It's time the for the feature race, Matthew. Bring it through us. We're we, oh, 55 right. minutes. We are going deep. I mean, once you take out 10 minutes of Monaco chat, we're on a fairly normal time pace. Oh, and, and just real quick. So, Correa um, got a three-place grid penalty uh, for making contact with Roman Stanek. And Roy Nassani got a, I think it was a five-place grid penalty for causing a collision with Jehan Daruvula. So, those are the other penalties there. Is Stanek actually a real driver, though? Can you be penalised for making contact with him? Or is he just a He's, concept? No, no. Clement Novelak is a fake driver. Stanek has some talent. Yeah, but so far he's mostly been a concept this season. I mean, have we actually seen him at any point? Roman Stanek has points. I know he has points. So you can, you can get conceptual that. points. Uh, yes. <laughs> so the feature race. Obviously, you know who doesn't is... have points, Matt? Amori Cordiel. Uh, <laughs> I saw that coming from a while off. Yes, Airman <laughs> on the front row with Fitter Pouty. <laughs> I think. I can. Where did Wasa start? Because it wasn't. That crazy high from memory. Let me go check my notes. Oh, oh, sorry, it was P4. Yeah, um, so Awasa was the real one. He got a great start. They went three, three and a half wide into turn one because I think either Dawn or Porsche sort of stuck their nose in as well. But we had, yeah, Vest, uh, Behrman on the inside, then Fittipaldi, then Awasa to his outside as well. <sighs> Looked a bit dicey for a minute, but Behrman came through it nicely, as did Fittipaldi. Porsche then had a great run up around uh, turn three, turn four, um, and that, and thought he was going to go way up the inside into turn four and have that done by turn five, but Fittipaldi with the inside was able to hold off, and so he settled into Behrman, uh, Fittipaldi, then Porsche as the running order. Uh, a little bit later on, Doohan had a really nice battle with Awasa from, I think, what, the turn 12 hairpin, round 13, 14... Uh, 15 kind of thing and made that move stick which was quite nice uh, Vesti found his way past um, well it should be said so uh, we actually had a couple of very notable guys running the alternate strategy um, mm. Martins and Vesti who both qualified sort of mid back of the top 10 opted to go with the alternate start on those hard compound tyres and run long you don't yes, see too many instances where, like, really top guys, unless they're, like, way out of position. These two guys weren't that way out of position. Uh, and it meant we possibly were going to have an interesting dynamic at the end of the race. But, yeah, Investi made a nice move on Crawford, making those hard tyres work quite well. Um, and then, yeah, pit stops began. Porsche, first stopper on lap 10. Fittipaldi opted to respond straight away, pinning on lap 11, and they said about their business on the hards. Behrman, though, um, kept it out there for a little bit longer. I think he came in lap 14, so about four more laps than Porsche mm. in the end, and was still able to avoid being undercut, rejoined. But Fiddy, I think, more or less right on him, although he quickly rectified that. But, yeah, he was able to rejoin still in the lead of the race. Uh, and I think Behrman was basically the last certainly relevant um, normal strategy soft tire runner to pit which left us the guys up the top who are on the alternate strategy Martens, Vesti, Crawford, Vashore, Cordiel, Leclerc, Daruvala, Maloney, Nassani and Cushmine yes sir um, and we slowly sort of saw most of those guys start to filter in uh, Behrman, Fittipaldi and that they all started catching people so we sort of saw them working their way past the likes of Maloney, Nassani, Maloney, Daruvala I think Leclerc, 
were all sort of getting passed out on track. I think by the time Martens and Vesti pitted Behrman was probably running in P3 or whatever, with only those two in front of him. Uh, Vesti would blink first. He would stop with... Well, I should have taken down the fucking lap. But let's say there was about... Oh, 12 laps to go, maybe? I think. About... It was mid-late mid 20s when he pitted. So there was somewhere between like 8 to 12 laps to go. He mm, pitted... 25, 25, 25. Okay, so it was. That's what I thought. So 12 laps. Cool. Nice. Back myself Bang on, in. brother. Uh, yeah, he pitted, rejoined P9, so, you know, potentially it will still affected P9 because Martin. So he had, I think Maloney still hadn't come in because Maloney was basically, they'd just opted for with that really low start. They were just going to run and run and run and hope a safety car came out. Mm -hmm. uh, it did not in the end. Oh, but yes. So he effectively, he rejoined in effective P8 with six guys on hard tyres in front of him in the form of checks notes uh, <laughs> in the form of his teammate Behrman, Fittipaldi, Awasa, Doohan, Porsche, Hauger, and I think it would have been Vashaw, no, Vashaw was on the alternate. Maybe it's how, oh... Tier three podcast host. No, yeah. So it must have just been. Must be. Yeah, Bearman, Fiddy, Owasa, Doohan, Porsche, Hauger. No, that. Sorry, that works. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, we'll take that. He rejoined. Yeah, he rejoined effective P eight. Seven cars in front of them. One of them was Martin. So yes, those were the six in front of him. He rounded up Hauger, and obviously he had Maloney in front of him as well. He took them very quickly took a double overtaken to turn one obviously Hauger and me trying to work on Maloney on those hard tires uh for a little mm. while and how we have one of those great moves where you know Hauger gets a good run he goes side by side with Maloney and Vesti just double slip streams the two of them I think I think at that point Maloney hadn't even pitted yet so no this was this was yeah this is where Maloney was yeah running that strategy of yeah yeah yeah, yeah just yeah. hoping for a safety car um, mm. And double overtakes always look great. Um, for me, this actually was the best move of the weekend. It's yes, well, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it looks so. They always look so cool. Not, um, not best on profit in the sprint race. Uh, oh, that was up there as well. Pretty much all the best moves were Vesti this weekend. He made some beautiful overtakes. Nah, Porsche, Porsche, Porsche on uh, Martins. Oof. Oh, no, that's fair. Yeah, Porsche at the end of that. I mean, Very there's just two obvious class of the field guys at the moment. Um, yes. In terms of the two most pro ready to use that analogy, um, but yeah, he went a little bit side by side with Hauger through two, but you know, just way more grip on the soft tire compared to Hauger on you know sixteen lap old hards. Um, held it through, swept on by Martins pitted, rejoined P five, which was the difference between those couple of seconds up the road. He was a Vesti when he pitted. Which meant, I believe, yeah, so he was P5 with Porsche right behind him, who was able to hold off. Vesti was now P7 with Porsche in front of him. He was very quickly also able to wrap up Porsche. So despite starting, what, five spots or something lower on the grid, three spots lower on the grid, I think, he was now ahead of Porsche on this race, meaning he was going to take points on Porsche in both races. That was big for the championship. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a brief. There was a couple of brief times. He was also Vesti was running faster than Martins. He would every time they'd get in a spot where there was a big enough gap that both of them were in between the two pairs of hard runners, and so like they were both chasing down the same next guy um, on their softs. Vesti would slowly 
um, sort of close up on Martens. It was just one of those things with the nature of A, where Martens would catch and pass the cars. And a lot of the time, Martens would catch them, Bestie would close right back up, and then Martens would get them at the front of the main straight. And for the most part, particularly as the tyres did start to go off a little bit more, T1 was the main spot they were both getting them, which meant if Martens got someone into T1 and Vesti wasn't able to just swoop on by as well, it had taken the best part of the rest of the lap to get by as well, at which point Martens once again moved a couple of seconds up the road. So hmm. there was a little period where I really thought he was a chance of getting past Martens as well, and then maybe being the one who could just sneak onto the podium. And it just didn't quite work out with where they were catching the cars and how those overtakes would mean. But they both uh, worked their way past Doom, which put them into P4 and P5. Martens, it took him a couple of laps, and this was the one chance where I was like, ooh, now Bestie's closed right up on him. And if the way if Martens had got past Awasa in such a way that it maybe forced Awasa a little bit wide, checked him up a bit, and allowed Bestie to sneak by as well, I think it could have been interesting to see whether Vesti would have made a real hard play at Martens. I don't think he would have, based off what happened after. But that was the one moment where I was like, if he can either find a way past... Because he almost also did find a way past Martens whilst they were both stuck behind Awasa, who put up a really good defence, which I'm assuming you were quite impressed with. I was impressed. Um, Before he scrapped, he scrapped, he scrapped. Yes, Martens got past Awasa and was able to start to check out. Uh, This was obviously in the last couple of laps now, so, you know, Vest, they're both definitely burnt through those tyres. They'd gone early on, they were taking, like, two seconds a lap, and I was like, oh, my God, they could even catch Behrman. Unsurprisingly, those tyres did start to go, and by the time they were catching Awasa, it was probably more like half a second, maybe a second a lap of pace they had on them, which by that point, that isn't just enough that you can sweep by at any corner. It's you definitely get past them but only at the big overtaking spots there was one opportunity where Vesti I think got a little bit alongside he was half sort of halfway around the outside of turn one because Awasa went for the big block up the inside opted not to try to hang it around there which I think was sensible I was actually very very impressed by the way that Vesti played this he had a little bit of a crack Mm. at Awasa but once it was obvious there was no like big openings he didn't go for anything over the top and audacious he was content to take P5, be a f- two or three spots up the road from Porsche when all was said and done. Just, you know, take a few more points on him. I think he also had the fastest lap. So he got three points on Porsche in the end because he was two places above. Or like four points or something, yeah. Um, and had the fastest lap point as well. But yeah, he, he just played it conservative. He let himself stay behind a wasp unless he made a big mistake. He didn't risk any contact bag those points i just thought this was a very we saw a lot of big picture championship mentality from yesterday this weekend in the sensibleness to not fuck up the bollard situation the very first corner of the sprint race he then managed the sprint race excellently and then yeah the way he drove this he and martin's played that strategy beautifully not the craziest alt strategy we've ever seen but like this is what it can be at racetracks like this you can get that big difference and you get that drivers carving through the field so it's always for me it's always really fun when one or two of the top runners is out like not like maloney levels of out of position where they're way down the back and there's just it's just fucked there but yeah if they're like very back of the top 10 and willing to risk it or just outside the top 10 i'll the one i always talk about sportsman in hungary um and then you get this yeah. big run of the alt runner on the softs coming back through the field at the end of the race but yeah it ended up finishing 
haven't really mentioned him for a while, but Bam and the X sort of comfortably put a gap on Fittipaldi, and they were both far enough up the road that Martins couldn't get close to them, and they cruised on through. Bearman taking his second feature race win of the season, which I think means he's the first man to win multiple features this season. Yes, yes, we've established. Um, no, no, Vesti got two as well with um, Saudi Arabia and... Yeah, Qatar. sorry, you're right, you're right. So both are... Both Prema boys have a pair of features now. Fittipaldi <coughs> yes. P2... And massively, Martin's P3, meaning double podiums. This is the first weekend that you could actually say Victor Martins has got the rewards that matched the pace he showed. Yep, correct. Um, this was massive for him with that. He's got yes. 45 points o- overall. He got 21 of them this weekend. That says a lot. And this is a man who really should probably be up there with Vesti and Porsche at the 100-point mark. Oh, 100%, yeah. Um, based off pace. The rest of the results, so Alasa P4, Vesti P5, Duan a P6, which I think he'll be pretty happy with. Porsche, Hauger, Leclerc and Vichore were the ones who sneaked back into the points, just missing out. Correa, Stanek, Crawford, Daruva, Boshong, Maloney, Miney, Nassani. I honestly don't know what the fuck happened because Cordiel was right around the back end of the points for quite a while, and then somehow after it all shook out, he was just 19th. Uh, yeah, still had a Hadjar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Novelak and Brad Benavidez, who was almost a full lap behind Novelak. Well, fun thing with Brad Benavidez, um, he got two separate time penalties during the race for exceeding track mm. limits, and then Fum by Sharuz failed That's to carry right. out yes. the in-race penalties in accordance with the regulations, so he got a further 30-second time penalty following the conclusion of the feature. Crap. Huge um, win for Brad. Yeah. So what is done? But do you want to just quickly go through the championship standings before we get to winners and losers? Yeah, for sure. I yes. I, I don't I, I hate this part, but I might as well. Uh, Vesti's winning at 110 points, leading Porsche at 99. Awasa holding on to P3, 82. Bamin has leapt into fourth position at 70 points, leading Hauger in fifth. Vashore hanging around in sixth. I feel like Vashore's been sixth in the standings like all season. <laughs> yeah, he's there and thereabouts. Uh, Fittipaldi had a fantastic, obviously, feature race there in Spain to go up to seventh now, leading Big Bush Kush in eighth, uh, Zane Maloney in ninth, Victor Martins in tenth, Daruvalo and Duan both on 40 points, 11th and 12th. And uh, in terms of teams, Prema uh, out to a big lead now, um, 36 points ahead of ART, and then Dams is the other team who have cracked triple figures at 118 points in P3. Yes. I think the other one, obviously, you just made that comment about 21 of uh, Martin's 45 points coming from this weekend. The other big one, obviously, uh, Behrman has had 67 of his 70 points across two weekends. Yeah. Um, and all of three points. It's such a fast None, 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 one, two, none, 11, 27, none, none, yeah. two, 27. Um, that's ridiculous. But he's, that's the thing, he's, he's, he's come alive. Obviously, Baku was a freak winning both races. This was a bit of a more normal in the Spain with picking up a few points in the sprint, turning his pole into a win. He he feels like he's arrived now because Monte Carlo is such a win anomaly. So I'll be curious he to does, see what he yeah. can do over the next couple of rounds. I think for me personally, if anyone's going to be able to get in there and really challenge Vesti and Porsche, I think Bamman is the next biggest shout. Was is probably the other one. I think if anyone from outside of the top four right now ends up winning this title i'll be incredibly surprised if anyone out from outside of the top four 
except for maybe oh, Martins and Duan are the only two outside of the top four that I could even see finishing in the top three in the standings. But I just feel both of them are probably too far back for the time. I mean, Duan's 70 points behind. Martins is 65 points behind. That is... We've seen big gaps turned around in F2, but that's that's insane. Matthew's just, riled up. He's feeling the juice of Formula I 2. I don't think he's, anyone's coming from outside that top four to win the standings. He's squeezing the guava. He's talking hypotheticals. This guy loves it. But shall we get to winners and losers, Matthew Hume? Absolutely. You are a winner. You are a loser. Great. I'll I'll leave it to you. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? What, what's your uh, feeling? What's your thoughts? Bit. Let's let's go with you. You, go you do talk a fair bit. You know what? It's good to hear you up and about, though. This is fantastic. <laughs> I will run through with my winners. Mm, yes. Winner number one. Prema. I mean, let, let's be honest. At the start of the season, we were all like, ah, oh, these guys suck. They're not even good anymore. This is awful. But now it's become quite clear that, yes, they are pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> good. Take of the year, Prema um, would score a point all season. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> I'm very happy to have uh, got that one wrong, but fuck, that was a funny one. Yeah, you're, you're probably tier five sports analyst at this point in time. Um, bummer for you, buddy. Uh, winner number two, I will give it to Spain. Um, a much maligned track on this podcast. I believe the title of this podcast last year was uh, Spain, but the S is silent, courtesy of Matthew. But uh, no pain in this one. It was quite fun. I enjoyed watching both races. It was good quality stuff. Even the F1 was somewhat decent. And the winner number three, I'm giving it to the title fight. Because I love hypotheticals. And, yeah, Vesti out there in front. Porsche looking much improved in Spain. Awasa still got gobs of talent. And, uh, yeah, Behrman looking to kind of, yeah, stamp his mark. So it's going to be a fucking fun run. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Matthew. All right. Winner number one for me, uh, Victor Martins. Had one of his worst qualies of the year with the P7, I believe it was, in qualifying. Yes. yes. But turn that into P3, P3. As we said, this is the first time he's really converted his pace for the whole weekend into actual results for the whole weekend. He spun from the lead in Saudi. He had the time penalty in Monaco. Time penalty. Um, let's see. Just hey, We've talked so much. He's caught, caught up in incidents. He's got that Alpine curse. Um... Yeah, but it didn't it didn't strike him this weekend. He was finally able to get a pair of decent results from the board. I've already said I think he's too far back for the championship challenge now, but like so think he is 65 points behind Vesti. He's only 25 points behind Bearman. More to the point, he is 12 points behind Dennis Hauger. I fully expect Martins to finish top 5 in this championship. I can see him as I said. I think he and Duan are the two that can reach the top 3. I just think it's a long way to catch Porsche and Vesti, considering Porsche has an identical machinery to him and the Prema looks like the other pick of the cars. Yeah. Uh, my next winner, Doan. Um, I think this is the first weekend all Solid. season 
Well, sorry, he had a great oh, yeah, right, outing okay. in Jeddah, where he finished P2 in um, the feature. This is just the second time all season that he is double-pointed. He's already had mm-hmm. six um, non-points finishes, which is, I think, close to, if not the top of anyone by his point in the standings, which is the top 12. Uh, it looks as though Derivel has had sort of the same. But of where his talent, you would have to say, obviously we know he's not doing it right now, but I think we both have doing ahead of Daruvala, ahead of Miney, ahead of Vashor in terms of quality of driver, potentially, you in know, theory. ahead of guys like Hauger and Fittipaldi possibly, or certainly at sort of that level. So definitely he should be more nicely nestled in. So he's comfortably had the most known points finishes of the guys at his level you would say yeah so i just think for him is that a bad year so far for sure oh absolutely see good qualifying um performance no major fuck-ups turned it into good pair of you know bunch of points in both races that's just something he needs to let's see it wasn't a crazy thing it wasn't as spectacular looking as a p2 and an 18 point haul that he got in Jeddah. But I think he needed a weekend like this where just nothing went wrong in any session after a string of you know, three straight bad weekends post Jetta to hopefully just get things back on track. And as we said, with Cordiel up there as well in qualifying and at times in the sprint race, it just it looked like the first weekend where the Virtuosi really looked much more on the pace. And hopefully, as we head into the more traditional European rounds, the normal circuits, the time races that they all will have done dozens of times over their junior careers, um, it can start to convert into some consistent results for Doon and at least rise him up into... At the very least, he needs to be finishing in ideally the top five, but certainly the fringes of the top five in this championship if there is any hope of his career progressing any further in this and, you know, nabbing a reserve driver's seat, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final winner... There's a few different options I could go... You've done Prema. I've already spoken a lot about the individual drivers. So I'll go for ART, the collective whole of ART. It wasn't the greatest weekend for Porsche. Because obviously I've got the two Prema boys individually that. But for ART, I think it's interesting. Obviously, ART is the only team I could see even challenging Prema because they're the only one with two drivers that I think can match what that. I kind of have the feeling that the Prema boys... I just think Behrman's got too much raw speed. I think he's got a little bit more raw speed than Martin's possibly now he's hooked it up. And Vesti's just so measured and consistent. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can even catch uh, Premier or not. But I do think this was a big weekend. They comfortably outclassed the other couple of teams sort of in their vicinity, Dams and MP. I think they firmly put their foot forward of, yes, we're going to be no worse than top two in the standings. It's a case of whether or not they can go toe-to-toe with Prema. But yeah, on, again, honestly, if Martin starts to get past this curse, and depending what Awasa can do, it would not shock me if come the season's end, the top four in the standings are the two Prema drivers and the two ART drivers. They're just, on the whole, those two teams are just so far in front of everyone this season. 
I would be shocked if if Awas is not in the top four by the end of the season. But obviously, I'm a little bit biased. Me, me as well. But that's the. I think that I I personally, my prediction is the top five will be the four guys from those two teams and Awasa in some. Yeah, order. that's quite that's quite plausible. Uh, Unless big brain Zane goes in a bit of a figure. Yes, out the potentially a back in the run. season, which I could see. Yeah. Uh, my losers. Uh, I'll start off. I'll do one of your fun ones. The Alpine Curse. No! Only, a hypothetical only... from Matt. He has a brain cell? Oh! Yeah, it's just un- unreasonable. I'm so impressed. Um, yeah. But like I said, both guys who have been the chief sufferers of the Alpine Curse were winners of the weekend. Which means that's a, yeah. loo- lost, that's a loser of the weekend for the curse. It failed to strike in any capacity this weekend. Uh, next up, I'm going to go with uh, Jackie Crawford. Yeah. Um, obviously, once again, could have had a good chance for a nice sprint race finish. Um, that unfortunate contact with Vesti robbed him of that. And then he struggled to convert. Uh, you know, he started in the points in this free feature, failed to finish in them. Uh, the other one I'm going to go with is Kush Miney. This is his first yeah. weekend of the season. And obviously Small Bush now, Kush. He has been lapped by Behrman for top rookie. I don't think that in itself is that surprising or disappointing if Miney finished this year as the top rookie. But if he can finish sort of top three or four of the rookies and earn enough, which I think he's still doing, to move up to, you know, say like a an MPC, a damn seat or something. Yeah. He could be uh, very solid next season. But yeah, so I'm going with the Alpine Curse, Jack Crawford and Kush Miney. Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. Um, hmm. Did you mention Fittipaldi with your winners? I did not. I didn't. I just want to shout out Enzo Fittipaldi, obviously getting a podium there and, and leaping into somewhat yes. middle of the pack contention. So that was very important for him. But yes, my losers. I had Kush Miner written down as well. Uh, unfortunate for Big Bush Kush. Uh, uh, Isaac Hadjar, where is the talent? Genuine question: Where is the talent? You told me he was good. Yeah, you convinced I he me he was good. You, you told it, ah, it's, it's he's not good. He's bad. More like Isaac Badger. That's terrible. I'm sorry. I, I take that back. That's awful. Uh, speaking of bad drivers, Amori Cordiel is also a loser of the weekend. Obviously, giving up a chance for solid points in the sprint. And 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 in the yeah, and in the feature that towards the end, um, giving up a chance of points too. So bummer for the Belgian, still yet to score this season. Not ideal for a Mori Cordiel. And finally, I've got Fum by Charouz as losers. Uh, both of their drivers were embarrassingly terrible this weekend. Obviously, Nasani causing that collision with Deruvula in the sprint, and Brad Benavides getting a thirty-second time penalty in the feature. So. Yeah, not a great look. You should have picked other drivers, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Any other guys you want to shout out for losers, Matt? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, did you mention Correa? I did not mention Correa, but he could definitely be a loser. Good Correa call, is good probably call, one. Call. He was on the fringe, possibly could have been in a position to score some points in both races. Um, yeah, didn't. And, yeah, made a few mistakes. And particularly, I think, because he ended up finishing P11 in the feature, despite that moment where he ran off and dropped about four or five spots. I reckon there's a very good chance he finishes ahead of sure without that mistake. So, yeah, that was a big one, big blow for him. Um, Huge blow. 
Yeah, it's probably the only other one. Yeah, Correa is doing his thing, but I think I think that probably brings us to the denouement of this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Have you had an enjoyable experience for the past hour and 20 minutes? Oh, it's been pretty good. Oh, I, I think it's been pretty good as well. Yeah, pl- pl- much more to talk about this weekend than in previous weekends. This was a good, it was a good batch of racing, I thought. This was fun. Um, this was fun. I don't think you've proven yourself as a tier 1.5 sports analyst. <laughs> I think you've still got some work to do in that regard. But you know what? I like that you're setting yourself some goals and you're working towards it. I'm proud of you, buddy. Um, and yeah, follow us follow us on the Instagram at Online Hub Media. You can check out the website www.onlinehubmedia.com for all of the podcasts. There are three of them. They're all fantastic. This has been F2 for you. Thank you. Also, hello, Matthew, who is my co-host for this show. How are you doing today, Matthew? It's nice of you to be here, Matthew. Thanks, Jashan. I'm doing fucking awful. I'm here to bring a third-tier effort to this second-tier podcast.